Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Christmas Day, December 25th, 2018, on the basis of John 1, verses 1 through 18. So how is your Hinduism going? Are you enjoying it? Still going well? Is it still benefiting you? Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. We're, we're in a Christian church today, and here you are. So maybe that's not the religion that you practice. I'm a little embarrassed. So let me ask you this. How is your neo-paganism coming? Still good? Still enjoying it? Still benefiting you? I recently came across a couple of articles, each one arguing that one of those religions has sort of become the new unofficial religion of our society. In other words, that more than anything else, those two religions shape the way that people think in our society today. And maybe that sounds a bit surprising, but those articles offered some interesting evidence to back up their claims. For example, all the talk you hear these days about things like reincarnation and karma. That the things that happen in this life are maybe the result of a previous life. Or that the things that we're doing now would somehow impact a future life. The whole field of meditation as a way of sort of looking deep within and unleashing or getting in touch with some inner truth and light. And then, of course, the ever-popular yoga. I know I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble here, but, but yoga that's not just stretching and breathing, but yoga as it sort of originally was designed to be as a, as a way to get in touch with some sort of energy or some sort of force that is residing deep within you. All of those ideas really find their roots in Hinduism. On the other side of the coin, all the talk you hear about Mother, you, you, I'm sorry, Mother Earth or the universe as if those things are real people with real personalities who have consciousness and, and a will of their own to make decisions in your life. All the talk you hear about nature and our planet being sacred, not things simply to be taken care of, like we know that they should, but, but even and almost worshipped. All the talk you hear about everything, from human beings to animals to the trees and the rocks being one, part of one big grand thing, really all of that, finds its roots in paganism. The reason I mention all of those things today is not to give you a long list of things that you're not allowed to do or words that you're not allowed to say, although it is good to be aware of where the language that we hear comes from. Really, it's to illustrate an important point. See, we might be tempted to think that in our society today, more and more people are moving away from spiritual and moving toward Secular. In other words, they are handing away all things supernatural, all things related to faith, in favor of just the cold, hard facts, just science and evidence and reason. And certainly for some people in our society, that is the case. But for many more, as much as they are maybe not about religion, they are very much still all about the spiritual. And even though they are not turning to church for answers to life's biggest questions, they still are turning somewhere. They're maybe handing over one set of spiritual beliefs, what we might call sort of a tradition, traditional Western set of spiritual beliefs, but they're quickly replacing it with something else. They're still very much looking for an answer to a very important question, and that question is this. Where do I find God? Not just who is God, not just what is he like and what am I supposed to know about him, but where do I actually find him so that I can go to him, so that I can connect with him, so that I can communicate with him? And, you know, over the course of human history, people have answered that question sort of on either one 
of two ends of the extreme. On the one hand, people might give the answer to say that God is, is very far away. God is distant. God is removed. In fact, maybe even God is very disinterested in what's going on in my life. And so in order for me to get his attention, I probably need to speak up. I probably need to do something really, really big, a, a loud prayer, an elaborate religious ritual, a heroic sacrifice, and then maybe I'll get God's attention and maybe he'll help me out. On the other end of the spectrum is the idea that God is very, very close. God is right nearby. In fact, God is within. In fact, not only is God in each of us, but God is actually part of each of us, and each of us is part of God. And so in order to get his attention, I don't need to speak up. I actually need to be quiet. I need to listen. I need to meditate. I need to look within to unleash what is already there. As you maybe can guess, based on the things that I told you before, our society is kind of leaning toward that end of the spectrum at its current moment. So which one is right? Is God far, far away and not really interested in what's going on here on earth, or is he close at hand? In fact, is he part of us and we part of him? That's an important question for everyone to answer, including you and me, and it's a great question for us to answer at Christmas. It's really the question that determines what Christmas's lasting value really is. It's a question that makes all the difference in the world in terms of whether or not Christmas is just sort of this feel-good, fun festival at the end of the year, or whether once it's all said and done, once the presents are put away and the decorations taken down and we're back to work and back to school, Christmas still means something. Christmas is still significant and still makes a difference in our lives. And it's a wonderful question for us to answer, looking at these verses from John 1 this morning, because in them we are reminded that because of Christmas, we know exactly where we can find our God. John starts out these verses by sort of setting up his definitions and defining his terms very carefully. He, he comes up with these categories, and he wants us to be very, very clear who belongs in which category. And so first of all, he starts with the category of God. In the beginning, it was just God. And John wants us to know a little bit about this God who was there in the beginning. He calls God the Word, and he says that the Word was with God and the Word was God. Those seem to contradict each other. John is giving us just a little bit of a glimpse into this mystery that we call the Holy Trinity. That even though there is one God, there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And John calls the Son, the Son of God, he calls him the Word title we don't use all that often, but a very important one. title that reminds us that God's Son is God's spokesman. He's sort of like God's press secretary. When God has something to say, it's God's Son's job to do it. God's Son is the Word. And in the beginning, there was God. Then in another category, you've got everything else. Everything else is not God. Everything else is not in God. God is not a part of it, and it is not a part of God. Instead, God made everything else, John tells us. In fact, God made everything else through the Word. Through Him, all things were made, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made, John says. And then, as a special subcategory of everything else, we find ourselves. Mankind. God is not in mankind. God is not a part of mankind. Mankind is not a part of God. Mankind is a part of everything else. Now, mankind is a very special part of everything else because God had a very special gift that he wanted to give mankind. John tells us that he gave him the gift of life. And this doesn't just mean 
the ability to have a, a heartbeat or to fog a mirror, because that's true of animals too. God gave human beings the gift of a spiritual life. The gift of the ability to know and be in agreement with what God considers to be good and right and pure and lovely, to think as God thinks and to desire as God desires. That life was God's special gift to mankind. God wanted to share that gift of life with man. John tells us that God shone that life as a light. That life was a light to all mankind. But now in case we're tempted to forget that God and mankind belong in completely separate categories, John reminds us of one more important thing. That even though God gave mankind this wonderful gift of life, mankind wasn't all that interested in keeping it. John tells us that instead of living and loving the light, mankind loved darkness instead. Mankind exchanged God's light for darkness. Meaning that God is not only distant and far, far away, but because of that darkness, God is impossible for mankind to even approach. Okay, pause. Deep breath. What John is telling us in these verses is sort of the deep end of the pool when it comes to Christmas. These are, are rather deep and, in many cases, mysterious thoughts that he is trying to reveal to us about our God. But, back to our question. Where do we find God? As I mentioned today, the, the way that society is sort of veering is to say that God is very, very close by. God is near. God is found within. And the only thing we need to do to find him is to be quiet, to listen, to meditate, to reflect. But John would beg to differ. And call me crazy, but I think John has the facts on his side. In fact, that's kind of one of the criticisms of this New Age spirituality that is becoming very prevalent in our country today, that it, it really has a hard time accounting for the evil that is in the world. I mean, it's one thing to say that we are a part of God and God is a part of us when we're all holding hands around a circle, living together in peace, love, and harmony. But what about when the thing that that hand is holding is a gun and the thing that that person who's holding it is doing is using it to shoot someone else? What about that person? Is that person a part of God? Is God a part of that person? Maybe more importantly, what about all the evidence that we have in our own lives where we can point to and see things that certainly don't appear to be very God-like? If we're ever tempted to think that we're part of God and he's part of us, really all we need to do is look at the evidence. God has given us that gift of life he has called good and right and pure and lovely. Things like service. Things like generosity. Things like humility and selflessness. And yet so often we think, or at least we act, as, those things, as if those things are ugly and repulsive. And instead what we think is good and right and lovely and pure is our greed and our selfish ambition and our pride and our self-interest. God and mankind are in completely different categories, not only distant from one another, but because of sin, we can't even possibly ever approach God. In fact, that's what it's like when you're living in the darkness, right? When a bright light shines, what do you do? You cover your eyes. If you were one of those people who this morning got up bright and early and sort of tiptoed down the hallway to see if the milk and cookies were gone and Santa had really come, and all of a sudden someone turned on all the lights in the house, what would you have done? You would have instantly covered your eyes. When you live in the darkness, you can't stand the light. Not only is God far, far away by nature, but 
Because of sin, he's completely unapproachable. Thankfully, that's not all of the Christmas message that John has for us. He's not done writing yet. He's set up all of these neat and tidy categories. You've got God. You've got everything else. You've got mankind as a subcategory of everything else. But then, John says this. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I know this isn't how it actually went, but I like to picture it this way, that when the Holy Spirit gave John that sentence to write, John just threw his quill down and threw his hands up in the air and said, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> sort of like the guy who first came up with all the categories into which we group animals. You've got your fish, and you've got your birds, and you've got your reptiles, and you've got your mammals, and they all fit neat and tidy into all these categories, and then you see the duck-billed platypus, and you think, what in the world am I supposed to do with that? You've got God. You've got everything else. You've got mankind as a subcategory of everything else. And not only that, but mankind loves his darkness and hates the light. And then John tells us that the word, God, became flesh. That God himself just wrecked all the categories. That God, the word, through whom all things were made, became one of the things that was made. He became a human being. He came close. He came near. Why? So that we could once again know our God. He came from the Father full of two things, full of grace, full of truth. He came to show us once again what God is like, to show us that life as it was really meant to be lived. He came full of truth, and then he also came full of grace. He came to give life to those who deserve to die. He came to adopt into his own family those who had disowned him. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. He came so that we would always know exactly where we could find our God. And notice the use of the present tense. What this means is not that we should wish that some museum had been set up once upon a time where the entire life of Jesus was remembered and commemorated. There'd be an exhibit for his birth maybe a few pieces of straw from that manger, maybe a few strips of cloth that he had been wrapped in. And then there'd be another exhibit for his death, maybe even the, the cross that he died on and the crown of thorns would be there. And then there'd be another exhibit for his resurrection from the dead, again, a few strips of the burial cloth that he had left behind and, and maybe the big giant stone or at least a picture of the big giant stone that had been rolled away from the tomb. And, and we could go there and we could see it all and we could say, remember that time when God came close, when God drew near? Wasn't that the best? That was so great. No, God still comes near. In the very same way that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us full of grace and truth, so also, even here and even now, the word, God's own son, takes that very same flesh and once again conceals it, once again wraps it up, once again delivers it to us, hidden in simple bread and wine, so that we can have the blessings that come along with it of forgiveness, life, and salvation so that we who deserve to die can once again live so that we who have disowned him can be adopted as members of his family and what that means is that God is not far 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 away what that means is that to find him you don't need some big heroic act some elaborate religious ritual it also means that God is not within 
He's not part of you, nor you part of him, so that all you need to do is unleash him by listening carefully. No, instead what it means is that whenever you need God, and whatever you need God for, whether you need him for hope in your despair, or comfort in your guilt, or joy in your sorrow, whatever you need God for, and whatever, whenever you need to find him, you know exactly where he can be found. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.